Please join me as we read the scripture today, Genesis 12, 2-3. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones that curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the word of God. You may be seated. We're really excited to be with y'all to start this new sermon series off today. This uh, next, this today, this next five weeks, we're going to be talking about being, uh, what it means to be blessed. Uh, we're going to talk about five missional practices of how we can actually live out God's blessing in our lives to those around us. But when I was thinking about the sermon and getting it going, I thought, what does blessed mean? What does the world think of blessed? And the best, you know, you can either go to Wikipedia or you can go to Twitter and Instagram, right, to figure those things out. That's good. That's a good source, huh? So looking at Twitter, looking at Instagram, and just looking at how other people thought of the word, used the word blessed, this person's blessed because they adopted a dog. All right. Cat people don't agree, but all right. This young lady's blessed because of the way that her uh, boyfriend asked her out to the prom. All right. He, he, went, he went all out. He made everybody else in the high school look bad because they weren't thinking ahead. She's blessed. Here we got signing day. You, you've seen this all over uh, Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, people signing their, their acceptance letters for it. Blessed. I mean, they've, they've worked really hard to get to this point in their athletic career, and, and that's awesome. I'd say, yeah, they're, they're blessed to see that come, come about. Here, this young lady is blessed because she has 1,800 followers, and she looks like a bunny rabbit. Here, we have a couple celebrating because new job, leggings. She got new leggings and had a great workout. She's blessed. This guy, I guess he's blessed because the barber left some hair on the top of his head. I don't know. Blessed? Barber? Yeah, there we go. And then uh, this guy looks like he's blessed because he learned how to tie his shoes. You know, he's... It should have been done earlier in his life, but he, he got those t- shoes tied and those pants rolled up, so he's blessed. And now this one, blessed about a, a, a potty that has a self-slow-closing seat, no slamming. Blessed? Really? That's what it's about? What we want to talk about, talk about over the next five weeks is what God means when he talks about blessed and what God means when he talks about being a blessing. Now, in the book that we're reading, the book that we're drawing the sermon series off of, uh, it's available for you on the Acts 2 website. If you go uh, to the recent events, recent announcements, you can actually pull down an ebook. You can pull it down for your Android, you can pull it down for your iPhone, or you can just pull down a PDF copy of it. The youth group is actually using it for their, uh, their Sunday uh, morning discussions. And if you have a small group that, that you're looking for a curriculum over the next five weeks, that's something that you can use as well. In this book, uh, the authors point to a study uh, that was found in a, a, another book called Missional Entrepreneur. This guy named Russell, Mark Russell, he, he pulls up the study where these two missionary groups go to Thailand. And this study follows their different strategies and how well they achieve their goals over a two-year period. And what he calls the groups, he calls them the blessers and he calls them the converters. All right, the blessers and the converters. Now, the strategies of the blessers were they wanted to go and just do good wherever they could to whoever they could, whenever they could. They just wanted to be a blessing. They wanted to help out. They wanted to get to know the people. They wanted to be a part of their lives. They wanted their, their end goal at the end of their time there was they wanted their lives to be better than they, than they were when they got there. They wanted to bless people. And then the other group of Christians who went to Thailand, 
they simply wanted to see people come to Christ. They wanted to, they wanted to, see, to be able to count the number of people that had, had made a decision to follow Christ. Both are great. Both are fine, right? But two different strategies. One wanted to bless, one wanted to do good, one just wanted to see people come to Christ. Now, at the end of the two-year period, what the, this, this uh, research showed was that the people who were blessing, the blessers, actually created an, a tremendous amount of social good. There were relationships that were formed. There were enterprises that were built up. People were glad that they were there. But with the converters, it wasn't so. There wasn't, there wasn't anything like that. People barely knew that they were there, and if they knew who they were, they didn't necessarily like them. But the real, the real bottom line of it was that by the end of the two-year period, the blessers, there were, uh, the blessers had seen 100 people accept Christ over that two-year period. The converters had only seen two, 100 to two. It was, a 50, it was, it was you know, 50 times more people said yes to Christ because of the approach that they were taking. Now, I wonder, who do we want to be? Who is God calling us to be? And what is, it that, what is our strategy for doing it? Because if we're just focusing on people saying yes to Christ, again, which is what we want to do. We want people to accept a relationship with Christ. We want them to come to know Jesus. We want them to give their lives to him and follow him, right? We want to, we want to create a place that raises up radical Christ followers who, who live out his message in the world. But if by just focusing on that, we miss our way. We don't find our way. We need to change our strategies. And when it comes down to what God has been doing Throughout history, God has been doing to draw people to himself is that he has a blessing strategy. He has a blessing strategy. And what we read here in Genesis 12 was that when, when we had sinned, we turned away, and the world seemed to be on a, going in the wrong direction, he calls one man and calls one family, and, he, and he's going to change the world by blessing Abraham. And he says to him, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your family, and through that, I'm going to bless all of the world. God had a blessing strategy because he knew that was the way that people would be able to see and know his love in a way that would make a difference in their lives. From the beginning, God's way to change the world has been a blessing strategy. And Jesus understood this. Jesus understood this as a defining part of his mission. And we read this in Luke 4 when, he, uh, we read this in Luke 4 when he's just come back from the wilderness and he's about to begin his earthly ministry. He says, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, does it say anything? about people being converted and following Jesus, about anybody making a decision? No. But was, that, was, Jesus, was Jesus not wanting that to happen? I think he wanted to see people come back to his Father. He wanted to see, wanted to see men and women restored and, and brought back to God. But the way that he did it was he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit and allowed his life and allowed his ministry and then bringing along the disciples, called them to be a blessing so that people would know that God is real, that they would be able to experience him for themselves and say yes to him. Not simply, just, not simply making a decision off of no information, but making a decision because of the goodness, of the kindness, of the grace of God, the power of God. Jesus understood that this was going to be a defining part of his strategy. What's interesting in Luke 7, 
is that John the Baptist followers actually are sent to Jesus when John's in prison. And John, who grew up with Jesus, he was his cousin, right? John sends to Jesus and says, hey, you know, for him, he's like, man, this is over. I'm about, you know, he's, he's about to, he knows that the end is near for him. He's not going to make it out of prison. But he sends his followers and says, are you the one or are we supposed to be looking for another? Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Or, or should I be looking for someone else? Have I wasted my time here? And Jesus sends this message back to John. He says, go and tell John this, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised, and the poor receive the good news. And blessed is he, who's not, who do, is, blessed is he who doesn't stumble because of me. John the Baptist, the original converter in the, in the Bible, is asking Jesus, the ultimate blesser, are you for real? Is this really what it's all about? And Jesus is saying, yes. Yes, when we live out God's blessing, all that he's given us, relationally, financially, spiritually, emotionally, when we live out all that he has and we give it to those around us, God shows up, the Holy Spirit heals and restores, lives are changed, and the kingdom comes. It's not all about the numbers as much as it is about who, and we call, who we're called to be. Jesus understood this and calls us to be blessers as well. In his ministry, there are three R's, three R's that um, I, I believe make up this Jesus' mission that we're called into. And the first is that we reach. We reach those who are, law, are far from God. It's not just about us. It's not just about what happens here in the sanctuary. We're in, we come here for encouragement. We come here for accountability. We come here, we come here to know and understand more about God and ourselves so that we can then go out and reach out to others. Our mission isn't here. Our mission is every time when we walk out those doors. We're called to reach those, we reach others who are far from God. We're also called to restore. We're also called to live our lives in a way that God's grace and God's power is manifest to those around us so that their lives are restored as well. It's not just enough that we get cleaned up. It's not just enough that we're remade in the image of God. It's not just enough that we begin to understand our calling and our dreams and take our place in his kingdom. But we, we know that there are others who are longing for that as well. And we become the hands and the feet. We become the means by which God reaches them. We help God to restore their lives as well. And in that, we reproduce this mission. Because it's not just us watching God do it. It's not just, it's not just us telling stories about the disciples. But we listen to this so that we can take our place. So that we can become, the, we can become a generation that blesses those around us, so that we can be a community that blesses Edmund, that blesses our workplaces, that blesses our schools, that blesses every place that we find ourselves. God calls us to reproduce this mission. You, as a, as a disciple of Christ, when you said yes to Jesus, when you were baptized and became a part of the family, you said yes to this mission. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. We are called, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed so that we can help others find their way back to God. Now, um, the way that, this, that this, this, uh, this BLESS model is worked out is through an acronym that is uh, simply that, BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. And what we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks are five missional practices, five missional practices that we can all put into, we can all start uh, practicing uh, to see so we can join Jesus in this mission. And the first is to begin with prayer. We actually talk to God and allow him to shape and direct and guide us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
The next is L, we're going to listen to others. We're actually going to go out there and not, start, not just start saying stuff or quoting scripture, but actually listening to those around us to hear their joys, to hear their hurts, to hear what's really going on with them. And then E, we're going to eat with them. And we do pretty good with eating around here. Where we're going to eat with them. We're actually going to share a meal because when you really eat with somebody, when you have that fellowship, you get to know them in ways that, that you, don't, uh, you don't know any other. And then we're going to talk about serve. When, you be, when, you're praying, who, when you're praying and asking God, who can you bless? And you're listening to other people and you're eating with them in, in development of relationship. It's easy to figure out how to serve people. But that's what we're called to be. We're called to be his hands and feet. And then finally, the last S of bless is story. And it's at that point, it's not going to be if they ask us what we're doing and why, what we're all about, but it's, at that, it's going to be when they ask us that we're actually going to be able to name the name of Jesus. We're actually going to be able to say it's because of what he's done in our lives and who he is to me that, that this, is why, this is why I'm living this out to you. Bless. So today we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about beginning with prayer. And I do want to talk about two temptations with this. Uh, it can seem two temptations that I don't want you to fall into. And the first one is don't simply, write, don't simply view this as a checklist. It's not a checklist. It's not something that's one and done. As we talk about over these next five weeks, we really want you to put these into practice. We really just to say yes to it in a way uh, that, that, will op- that you'll be open to practicing these in your workaday and everyday life. And the next thing is don't want you to dismiss it as being too simple. Um, it is simple, but it's not simplistic. But I believe these are ways that can, these are practices that can actually help us to maximize and even enhance what's already taking place here. Because this is what I've known, this is what I've discovered about y'all over these, over these four months that I've been here with y'all is that y'all know intrinsically and y'all know implicitly what it means to bless. I mean, I'll watch who y'all are. I've heard the stories. I've seen uh, I've, I've seen what's taking place, but what we're gonna what we want to do with these uh, with this, this this these practices is just kind of bring it to the forefront, bring it to the top, and, and enhance it and strengthen that, so that Acts two can be the blessing church around. All right, so here we go. We're gonna begin with prayer, and we're gonna begin with prayer because Jesus began with prayer. He wasn't. He didn't just bless a meal. He didn't just pray so that he could get onto the business, but Jesus prayed so that he could know what the Father was doing. Jesus prayed, uh, Jesus prayed before he chose the disciples. He prayed all night before, uh, before actually choosing the 12 because he didn't want to just pick the guys that he thought would, would, would work. He wanted to know the ones that God had for him, and the ones he chose weren't the, weren't the best prospects. He went over a lot of resumes, uh, before choosing some guys who were thinking, really? Him? You're banking, you're, you're banking everything you're doing here on him? You're crazy. You're crazy. Jesus also had a habit of praying every day to the point that when he, um, when he didn't come back at the right time, Peter knew where to go find him. In Galilee, um, for those of y'all who are getting to go in June, I mean, if, if, oh, I love Israel. God love Israel. It's the best supporting actor of the Bible ever. Um, when, you, when you go, you're just like, oh, it's real, man. It's real. It is. It's real. Get it? <clears throat> but there's this, there's this little cave, there's this little nook in, nook in the hill where they think that Jesus actually would go and pray. He, he had a place. He had, a, he, had his, he had his place where he would go alone so that he could focus on the Lord. And that's where Peter knew to go and find him to bring him back. Jesus prayed. 
Jesus prayed, and he says this in John 5, 19. This is why he prayed. He said to them, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Jesus, God incarnate. The, he, held all of the, he held all of the divinity in, in, in case in a human man. And yet he still had to pray. He still had to seek what God was doing in the world. And if he has to do it, why do we think that we are immune to it? If Jesus had, to, Jesus had to pray so that God could reveal to him what he was doing, we have to do the same, right? We're going to have to. It's not just something that we're going to be able to see. We've got to pray in a way that doesn't... That we, we pray so that we can see him. We pray so that we can hear what he's doing. We pray so that we become aware of what's taking place around us. Because I'm telling you, we all live lives that are crazy. We, go, we lay our heads down at 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night, maybe a little bit later if Mark's showing you reruns of Saturday Night Live. But when we lay our heads down, we've got more than enough to do, and we need to allow ourselves that time and that presence for God to speak into our lives. Jesus prayed so he could see the Father working. We have to do the same. Prayer is how we discover where he's working. Because God is at work in the everyday, God is working the everyday people and places where we live. Uh, we just need to slow down enough, uh, create a, uh, an awareness enough to see Him. And so, here's what we want you to do over this next week: we want you to pray for divine appointments. We want you to pray for God to speak into your lives. We want you to pray for God to interrupt your schedules, as scary as that may sound for some of y'all who are here calendar schedule people. For him to show, for him to nod, for him to touch, uh, wink at you about where, uh, where you're called to be a blessing to others. When we slow down enough, when we're aware enough of other people to actually be God incarnate to them, when we're actually able to show them in a tangible way, in a real way, what the love of God looks like. I pray, I hope that you will pray this week when you get up, before you walk into your office building, before you, you hit that next class in school, or on the way to the gym, or wherever it is you're at. I pray that you would ask God, God, use me today. Where do you want to use me to bless some place or some people, someone today? And just wait. Because I believe, again, it's not if he shows you, it's when. And at that point, uh, at that point, that's where that's where it's going to be up to you. Uh, God, when you see God at work, when you see God at work, that's your invitation to join Him. Oh, would you, you know, sometimes we pray. We just want God to show up. We want God to do things. Um, I think at times, those when our hearts are burdened or broken for others, that's a that's a moment of awareness where we need to say, "Okay, God, how are you going to use me in this situation?" Pray for those the divine moments. And so that's the first action step. The first action step. Commit to every day to praying for God to ask, to, uh, God, asking God to use you to bless someplace or someone in your world. Pray for those divine appointments. But here's where, here's where I, um, I want you to focus them. Pray for divine appointments outside of the Acts 2 community. Um, I love how this place takes care of each other. 
I love how this community surrounds each other and, and loves each other. Let's not stop doing that. Let's keep doing that. But these prayers for the divine appointments are for relationships outside of Acts 2. Because we've got a lot here. We've got more than most. We, what we need is we need to create room for one more person or one more family who needs what we've received. So this needs to be outside the Acts 2 community, okay? And also, don't worry, I also want you to focus on those divine appointments with people in places that you already know. This isn't about making new relationships. This is about being a, this is about being a blessing uh, to those that you're already in relationship with, already, uh, already around. So, as my family and I have been talking about this, what it means to, to be a blessing to others, uh, and as we've been praying, where, God, would you use us to be a blessing? The Alexander boys, um, we've figured out where God is calling us to. Um, we don't know what to do about it yet, but we've we're figured out who we're called to, called to, and it's, it's a scout in the troop with my boys. Um, he's a handful. When he's not there, things go better. <laughs> They're a lot quieter. They're more organized, and someone doesn't get hit. Um, there are times I just want to sit on them, you know? I mean, I just... Uh, um, but uh, the last couple of weeks, we began to hear and began to learn a little bit more about his history and about his family. And it's tough. I mean, to the point where um, I'm amazed that he still shows up in his dirty scout uniform. Uh, there are a lot of things that are pushing against him. There are a lot of things that are, um, that are working against him. And uh, Cannon especially said, Dad, he doesn't have what we have. I think we found who, at least for the boys and the family, who we're calling to, still don't know what to do about it. But at least I've seen the person. This is what we're asking you to do. Just pray. Allow God to bring that person or that place up. You don't have to have all the answers right now. You just have to be open to being used by God to be a blessing. Okay? The next thing I love for us to do, I love for us to kind of get into our language as we speak to each other, whether it's in our small groups or whether it's uh, in programming com- program teams, the uh, ministry areas, or even on our committees, um, is asking each other, who is God calling you to? Who, who are you being used to bless this week? What if, we ha- what if that was part of our dinner conversations at home? What I think it would do would create a culture of, would allow us to always be aware of the fact that what we have isn't just for us. That, that who we are isn't, um, is, well, I mean, who God is in our life isn't just for Sunday mornings, but that he's preparing us, that he's equipping us, and that he's longing for us to join him out there. If that became a question we asked of each other um, with kindness and I think with a consistency, I think what it could do is to help us always see, always know that God is that uh, that God is that God has one more person for us to reach. God's calling us one more place to reach. So, begin with prayer. That's where we are, and that's where we're in today.